0: everybody and welcome back to the creative kindergarten podcast my name is amanda and i am an early childhood educator working in ontario canada and this podcast is where i talk about all things kindergarten i pick a topic for the week and i share my thoughts my ideas my learning around that topic for this week's episode i was having like a really hard time thinking of a topic that i wanted to make an episode about I feel like my brain is slowly checking out of like school mode and checking into uh, summer mode. We have 26 school days left. We go until the last day of June. So we still have 26 days left of school. I know some like educators in the States are like literally wrapping up this week. And so it seems crazy to me that we still have 26 more days, but we do 26 days with students and then one extra one where we are like working at the school without students but yeah. So I was like scrambling to come up with a topic that I actually wanted to talk about for this week's episode and yesterday I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw that there's kind of been a new development in the whole controversy of balanced literacy in the United, especially in the United States. Um, so I wanted to share like my initial thoughts and ideas around this as somebody who is like an outside observer who isn't an expert in this whatsoever but I thought I would share a little bit about what I was thinking when I was reading all of the um, ideas and thoughts that other people had and also after reading the article that was being shared a lot on social media. So first off, like, what am I talking about? So if you're an educator in Canada, you might not really have heard of Lucy Calkins. I think that's how you pronounce her last name before. But she was, uh, she is, I guess, a big proponent of balanced literacy where we use a lot of um, guessing strategies, I guess, uh, to teach students how to read. She's like a big proponent of looking at pictures and context clues to figure out words instead of, you know, using actual phonics knowledge. And so... Uh, Lucy Calkins is a I guess a huge curriculum writer in the States. I haven't heard her name brought up here in at least in where like I've been working in Ontario, Canada. We don't really have any curriculums that we follow like that. We have like our, our Ontario curriculums that we follow that were given to us by the province, but for as well, like as programs for reading and writing and math and all that, I have never seen one of those programs being used. Not to say they haven't been used, it's just not something that I've seen being used at our school board level. So um, I didn't really know who Lucy Calkins was until I started learning a lot more about the science of uh, science of reading and talking about structured literacy instruction. And kind of understanding why there was a shift away from using phonics and phonological awareness practice in order to teach children how to read. And so I guess Lucy Calkins is one of the major advocates for balanced literacy and you know how children are naturally going to learn how to read. I will link the article that I think the New York Times Yes, the New York Times. I will link the article from the New York Times in the show notes for you if you want to go and read it. It was an interesting read and it kind of gives the backstory that I was really missing when I was learning all about the balanced literacy versus science reading debate. Happening because I'm so far removed from it. And so it's something you'd like to read, you can go ahead. But I guess um, when this article came out, I think it either came out yesterday or Friday. Yesterday, of course, you guys don't know when yesterday is. (laughs) Yesterday being Saturday or Friday. So today's the 23rd, and it looks like it was released May 22nd. So this article was released yesterday. And so many people have been sharing it on Instagram and giving their ideas and their opinions. Again, as an outsider who doesn't really know who Lucy Calkins is, I was never taught the balanced literacy approach because I didn't go to teacher's college. I'm an early childhood educator. So I have a completely different approach, a completely different lens from people who would have learned about her in teacher's college or have used her curriculum or anything like that. Um, it was very interesting to see people's reaction because she kind of made a complete, uh, 180 from her position, uh, of that she has released in her curriculum, um, for the previous, I don't even know how many years she's been making curriculums, but it sounds like it's been a long time. So, um, she instead of just putting a focus on the balanced literacy approach where children will learn how to read naturally if you put books in front of them it seems that she is now putting more of a focus on phonics education in her curriculum and is updating it to reflect that as well and there was lots of thoughts about this out there lots of issues with it because people are Other educators are saying like she has been forming reading instruction for so many years and now she's doing this, doing this turn and trying to right her wrongs. But has she been apologizing for all of the harm that she's done to to children who still can't read? And then she's also charging for this new curriculum. So she's not making, you know, the edits or making the edits available for free. You have to buy this new curriculum, I guess. And so a lot of people have a lot of trouble with this because um, again, why would you trust somebody who has led Educators so astray for so many years, why would you trust them in a new curriculum that they are coming out with? So it was all very interesting to read yesterday. And from again, somebody who was never exposed to her curriculum, I've never even seen it, I have no idea what it entails. But from the little bits that I've seen of it, um, it would definitely be not something I would use in my kindergarten classroom um, using my like professional judgment. It would just not be something that I would use. Um, One of the lessons involved uh, covering. Uh, key words in texts with like sticky notes and having students guess what the word could be using picture clues which to me is not teaching students how to read that's teaching students how to guess at what should be in the text and then how is that helping them once the pictures are removed from a text it all seems a little backwards to me. And so it's all quite interesting and it had me thinking about my own structured literacy instruction from this past year and how I'm setting up my students to be successful readers and it was all just, it kind of really put into context like the, the, not the battle, but the education that Balance, uh, that structured our science of reading is the word I'm looking for the, the battle that science of reading proponents have been trying to fight is against people like um, Lucy Calkins and the people who use her programs or sell her programs and how I see this as a monumental shift in the thinking around phonics and making sure we're going back to teaching phonics to students which in a personal note phonics instruction was taken out of our kindergarten classrooms years ago before i even started teaching so this is over 10 years ago um our school board did use a phonics program and so um i'm not sure which one they use specifically but there's a few out there there's like um jolly phonics there's animated literacy um and then there's another one that i can never remember the name of but um they were using a program like this. And when our kindergarten program became a full day kindergarten program in Ontario, it used to be a half day program. When it became a full day program, for some reason, there was a shift away from using this phonics program. And the reasoning was that the phonics program became the whole literacy um, program for kindergarten instead of just being a part of the program. So instead of trying to I have a, I, my problem with this is instead of, you know, providing educators with professional development with, you know, education around how to teach students to read, they just took away the program, which I for for me, I feel like just exacerbate exacerbated a problem in our school system where students are not given any kind of structured literacy instruction. And I've been really trying to educate Educators educate educators around the importance of having a solid phonics and phonological awareness program, a solid literacy program, starting in kindergarten. And so it kind of brought up like those kinds of um, not feelings, but those kinds of thoughts. I guess it brought up those thoughts of like how I've been trying to make my voice heard around this subject for a long time now. I feel like at least for the past year but also um, I started talking about it two years ago and possibly three years ago where I was talking about how big of a problem this was and how students were not properly prepared for beginning to read because they didn't have a proper understanding of phonics and phonological awareness. And of course there's lots of other things as well, but I feel like a structured approach to phonics and phonological awareness is needed. Whereas some of the other components of learning how to read can be instilled, structured, but can um, can be brought up more organically through like read alouds and conversations with students. Whereas like phonics and phonological awareness has to be like structured lessons that are put in place. So those kind of brought that reading about Lucy Calkins and this whole shift that is happening with her curriculum, especially in the States, it kind of brought up those same feelings of like hey I'm saying the same thing here as well we do need something and if you live in Ontario you know that there was some reports that were put out from their ministry of education around this topic specifically and how there was a few more documents released recently I will put some in the show notes if you're interested in are in Ontario Canada but specifically talking about explicit phonics um explicit phonics instruction and explicit phonological awareness instruction and it puts it into writing what I've said for years something that is lacking in our kindergarten uh, curriculum document itself and it's kind of just putting like a, a reinforcement on what I've been saying has been right like I have been right this entire time even though I feel like I know some people were listening but not a lot of people were listening so it's just been kind of um vindicated my feelings around this. So it's I'm really happy that uh, educators, especially kindergarten educators, are going to have the support that they need from the curriculum lens in order to push um, phonics and phonological awareness uh, instruction forward in their classrooms. And I also feel like for those people in the United States that use Lucy Calkins because that's what their districts wants them to use or whatever, whoever is telling them they have to use this curriculum, And they know that it is not the correct way to teach their students how to read, even though I'm sure it still has its flaws, at least they will have a basis, a starting point for them to continue pushing their practices forward and keep pushing their their instruction forward because it has changed at like the fundamental level where Lucy Calkins and the curriculum is involved. And so I kind of think that think that um, it helps educators you know, push their thinking forward, push their instruction forward, and lets them reflect on their practices in the classroom. I think that, um, I guess in Ontario it is much different. We do have a play based learning program. In the states, I think it's much more structured and scripted. I should say, not even structured. It's like literally scripted for some people. What like what they're teaching, when they're teaching, for how long they're teaching, and for lack of a better term, I guess in Ontario it's much more loosey goosey. <laughs> Um, kindergarten, you know, we have a play-based learning program. There are um, there are a set of uh, expectations that we're required to meet from our kindergarten program, but it's nowhere near as scripted or as prescriptive, I guess, as it is in the United States in a lot of places. Which is great because it's a- we're able to meet the needs of our students wherever they are. But I also think like it has shifted too far to just. Not providing the basic set of instructions uh, that students need to be successful, and I didn't. I'm not gonna say this was definitely not an argument, but I got into a professional conversation with one of the my colleagues, and she was saying how when we are thinking about shifting our our programming and becoming um, more focused on a structured literacy approach, like how can we embed this in our play? based programming and I and I was saying yes we need to have obviously phonics and phonological awareness instruction in our play-based program but when we say in a play-based program it almost sounds like it has to be embedded organically or embedded in a way that that it brings more play into it and I was trying to say like if we are educating educators on how to do this in the classroom, we have to talk about it in a much more structured lens. And how are we going to, you know, provide them with a set of instructions or a set of steps that they need to take in order to teach phonics and phonological awareness skills to their students? Like, what does this actually look like in a play-based classroom? When we're talking about structured literacy instruction, it doesn't necessarily have to involve play all the time we can make it fun of course I'm always want to make my instruction fun but we're talking about explicit instruction at this point where we are giving all of our students the same instruction after we do this explicit instruction and we want to embed it in some play throughout the whole classroom of course we're also going to do that but I want to make sure that it, like I was trying to make it clear to her that you know not everything has to you know involve a play of some kind sometimes when we're teaching and explicitly teaching we have to be just that we have to be using a model or we have to be using some kind of structured approach to be teaching these skills to our students so that we are setting them up for success to become readers and writers and so we are having this conversation and I think that it kind of goes along I think with the Lucy Calkins approach where she was talking about how reading comes naturally. And if you put books in front of kids that they enjoy, they're just going to learn how to read. And I think that a lot of educators that are in the play-based space uh, have consciously or unconsciously adopted this approach as well like if we just embed literacy into our classroom if we embed books and uh, print into our classroom space the students will be able to pick it up and they will learn how to read and it's a more organic flow of it and I was trying to make my point that that's not like learning to read is not a natural process it's very unnatural and so we have to you like we have to make sure that we're using our explicit instruction approach for our students to be able to learn these skills so that they become readers. It's a very unnatural process. Um, oral language, on the other hand, is a very natural process, whereas reading and writing is an unnatural process. And so we need this explicit structured approach in order to teach it to students. And it was kind of an interesting conversation because, I think it is a shift that is going to have to happen within our curriculum documents themselves and also a lot of education on the front of, and putting education in the front of educator education in, the, in front of educators, I can't even speak anymore, in front of educators so that they become aware of these practices and, you know, uh, push their thinking forward around this as well. And this is coming from somebody who has now almost, completed her third course I'm like two um, modules away from completing my third course about um, the science of reading and it has taken so much time for me to wrap my brain around all the different concepts to wrap my brain about what this looks like in kindergarten and how I can instill um, you know Practice these skills with my students in a play based manner, but also explicitly teach them the skills. It's a real balancing act in the classroom, and I'm not going to say I got it right at all. This is like my first year really pushing this structured approach to literacy instruction. I think I have been successful, only time will tell, I guess, but I want to make sure that I'm providing my students with, you know, the confidence to become the best readers and writers that they can so that they when they reach the upper grades and they're they're shifting from learning to read to shifting to reading to learn that they're able to make that shift and become confident and capable and they're conti- able to continue education in a way that like they feel safe and that they feel comfortable doing so that's kind of where my head is at where you know I think I'm I don't want to say I'm ahead of what is happening, but I think that I'm a little bit ahead of what what of the changes that are happening at the province level, at my school board's level because I'm learning all of this information, but the materials and the resources haven't quite caught up with it. And so it's been a it's it's like I'm putting together a program that I think is working while I'm waiting for them to, you know, provide me some guidance on what they would like to see happening in a classroom. So it's been an interesting shift. Um, We'll see what the new year brings, the new school year brings, if there's any changes over the summer into the new school year in September. I'm hoping, for the very least, the very least, I would love to have a scope and sequence for literacy skills. Even if they give a scope and sequence to grade one and above and I can look at it and figure out what's missing so that I can shove it into kindergarten, anything. I would love a scope and sequence as the bare minimum. There's one for math. I don't really understand why there's not one for literacy skills, but like just a basic phonic scope and sequence because we have done like uh, letters and sounds and we've done vowels, we've done digraphs, and now I'm kind of piecemealing together the rest of the pieces that my students might need. Um, I'm looking at their writing and you know sounds and uh, um, sounds that are coming a lot up a lot in their writing. Those are the ones that I'm trying to teach my students so that they can use them in their writing, but it's not very scope and sequencing <laughs> it's just me trying to f- put piecemeal together something um to help my students along with where they are but if there was a scope and sequence that would be beautiful i would love to have that and that way any student coming from any school would you know be at the same place uh, when they go to grade one all all the, my students are at the same place so that the grade one teachers can just keep moving forward with what has already been taught to them that if anybody anybody out there is listening <laughs> Um, who has any kind of pull for that kind of shift to be happening in Ontario. Scope and sequence would be top of the list for me because would, I would love to have it. Um, I'm sure other places have scope and sequences or I'd be really interested in to hear from um, anybody listening to this podcast episode. What scope and sequence do you have? Do you have a scope and sequence? Do you put together your own scope and sequence? Does your school board or district have a scope and sequence? Like how does your literacy instruction work? I'm so curious to know what other places are doing because that has been the hardest part of this. Like once I know what to to teach I can teach it I can do the research behind like like um, like we were doing um, the sight word have and so I was teaching we've been using the heart word method to teach my students sight words and so have you know there's an e at the end but the a doesn't say it's long sound as the magic sneaky e bossy e whatever you want to call it at the end of the word would have would have have normally do that a would normally say a so have but it doesn't. Why is that e there then? And I found out it's because uh, the letter v um, can never come at the end of a word. So that v needs like a partner. So that e becomes that partner for v. So that it's not the end of the word. Like I I can research those kinds of things. But if you so that I can um, teach it to my students. But I need to have that scope and sequence so I know that have would be a word that I should teach in kindergarten. I'm just putting that together that that seems to be a word that they need to have at this point um, in their reading journey. So we're teaching the word have, but whether or not they should be, like whether or not, you know, the grade one teachers are also going to teach that word is a different story. We don't know. Maybe they're going to learn double next year, which isn't necessarily bad, but I could be spending my time on a different word instead. So scope and sequences would be at the top of my list. Um, I'd be really interested in to hear, to hear how even other People in Ontario have put together scope and sequences. Do you have one? If you don't have, if you're not in Ontario, where do you get your scope and sequence? Is it given to you by the state, your province? Is it given to you by your district or school board? Like how do you get your scope and sequences? I would love to know Um, and the other part I would love to have some instruction around what what phonics and phonological awareness instruction and like structured literacy instruction looks like in a play-based kindergarten program. How do we toe that line between too much explicit instruction and not enough and how can we marry the two together to make a program that truly fits the needs of students and provides them with the, the foundations that they need to be successful um, in their future academic careers. I'd also love to to talk to people about that as well. So t- share with me. This kind of podcast was a little bit scattered because I was share- I read the article and it had so many thoughts and so many ideas, I wrote down some of them and I tried to share them with you. Hopefully it wasn't too scattered and you can kind of get the gist of what I was saying here with all of um, my ideas jumbled around. Um, So thank you so much for listening to my ideas and my thoughts all the way up until this point. Um, Please share with me your thoughts and ideas. I'm going to be over on Instagram sharing about this podcast episode. So come on over. Tell me what you think. Tell me where you get your scope and sequences. I'd love to know. And uh, share with me what your thoughts are on a structured literacy approach within a play-based program. Or are you somebody who uses Lucy Calkins and have seen... um, this whole shift in her approach are you happy about it are you not happy about it do you love lucy Hawkins's curriculums and you don't understand why everybody is in such a, a fu- making such a fuss over this let me know would love to hear that as well again i'll put that article in the show notes for you if you want to go over and check it out and um kind of get a gist of more with the background between balanced literacy and structured literacy and science of reading and you want to get a better understanding of that it was help it was really helpful for me to more understand that background as well but again thank you so much for joining me make sure you are following me on this pod uh, on your podcast platform so you know whenever I put out new podcast episodes which is usually every Tuesday Also hop on over to Instagram or my blog to share your thoughts and feelings around the topic that I shared this week. I'd love to hear from you and as always I hope you have a great day and I will talk to you all next time. Bye!